Hey, this is Kieran Lenahan from Lenahan Coaching. And if you want to create an impactful kingdom business, you've got to be listening to the Eternal Entrepreneur Podcast with my good friends, Joe Newton and Pierce Brantley. The Eternal Entrepreneur gives you the stories and strategies to gain freedom as a Christian business leader. You'll hear from real entrepreneurs who have learned how to partner with God, from making millions to filing bankruptcy. These are honest stories to help you hear God's voice and build a lasting legacy through business. Well, hello and welcome back. Thank you for joining us for another episode of the Eternal Entrepreneur Podcast. I'm Pierce Brantley and along with my co-host, Joe Newton. We cannot be more excited to share with you our conversation today with Kieran Lenahan. Kieran is a decorated career in nonprofit startup and corporate management. He is an IPEC certified business coach and owner of Lenahan Coaching. It's a firm which helps business owners win in the area of business and time management. When he's not coaching, he spends his time with family and fighting homelessness at Covenant House, where he is an associate board member. Before we jump into the interview today, we want to ask if you'd help us out by leaving us a five star review and sharing the podcast with a friend. And also, if you'd like to stay in touch and get a free copy of the first chapter of my book, Calling, and How to Partner with God with Any Business, with Any Boss, at Any Place in Life, you can click on the link in the show notes to sign up for our weekly email or visit eternalentrepreneur.co. Now, on to the interview. Kieran, welcome to the Eternal Entrepreneur. Joe and Pierce, thanks so much for having me. I've been looking forward to this. Hey, man, let's jump right into it. Tell us, we heard from your, your bio, like you're definitely a coach right now. You're involved in a lot of different things. But what did that journey look like for you specifically? How did you end up an entrepreneur? Yeah, it's a great question. So we'll take it all the way back to elementary school. And you mentioned before we hopped on, you know, selling candy to classmates. And that's literally how I got my entrepreneurial start. My mom would buy airheads from Costco in bulk. I would mark up the prices and sell them to my friends at school. And that was really the first kind of start and experience that I had as an entrepreneur. And so fast forward, I would mow lawns and shovel driveways when it snowed and things like that. But in large part, that entrepreneurial journey and kind of fire and desire didn't really come to fruition until many years later. And so when I went to college, I really wasn't sure what to study. I ended up in a psychology class, realized I love people. I love trying to understand why they do what they do and stumbled into what's called organizational psychology. So basically the, the marriage between business and people and human behavior. And so once I dove into that, dove into leadership, that's what kind of reignited just a love of business in general. And then from there, after school, getting to work in both uh, like you mentioned, the startup, nonprofit, and then corporate settings. It was a really fast period of time where I was able to get experience across a wide range of just types of organizations, types of thinking about solving problems. And so for me, the most formative experience, I think that really was the last point before pushing me into entrepreneurship was in corporate management. And so I'd always been a pretty shy kid growing up. I was very quiet. I was rare to participate in class, although I got great grades in school. I just, there was ever since specific incident actually in elementary school where I raised my hand to answer a question that the teacher asked. I gave the wrong answer. And in my head, everybody was laughing at me and thinking about how silly I was and how could I get that question wrong. 
none of that actually did happen, but that's kind of the, the narrative that I was telling myself in my head. And so from that point on, I always remember taking the safe route. I remember telling myself if I don't have to speak up to not, because I don't want to rock the boat. I don't want to provide any opportunity for me to look stupid. And so this followed me all the way through to my corporate career. And so I had the opportunity from a very young age to be managing people, managing performance and, and an operation at an industrial supply company. And so I was in meetings with higher level management and there would be times when I would feel the desire to speak up either against a certain business practice or to fight for an employee of mine or things like that. But I would never really overcome that. And I would just be afraid to speak up. And so I'll try to make this a this longish story a little bit shorter. But I went through a period of about a year when I was asking the Lord to just show me what he wants me to do with my career because I knew the corporate environment wasn't it. And I, I did know that I had this entrepreneurial desire. So after a long year of, of prayer and asking, I discovered the world of coaching after I actually worked with a coach, realized hey, this is actually something I can build a business around. It uses a lot of my gifts and talents that I feel naturally equipped with. And this is a way that I can really serve people in the world. So through that coaching program, I realized just how much I had been holding myself back. All of those meetings I sat in where I wouldn't speak up, all of the the projects where I would not give my opinion because I was afraid to look stupid and didn't actually bring what I truly bring to the table as an employee, just as, a, as another human being, part of the team. And through that coaching program, as my eyes were open, I started to notice it in other people's lives and the lives of people around me where they were holding themselves back. And there wasn't anything else in the way. It was just their own thoughts and their own beliefs. And so for me, as I was still working full-time in that coaching program, gaining that self-awareness, that's when the, the desire to really birth this business that I'm running now came about. And so finally taking that step, that's a whole other story and, and just me being resistant to what God was asking me to do. But in short, it was really this experience and finally getting some awareness around where I was holding myself back. And once I was able to overcome that, that's what allowed me to step into entrepreneurship and actually start doing more of the things that I feel like God had been calling me to do. Kieran, I, dude, that's so inspirational. Is there a time when you saw, like, can you remember a story when like you broke through that when you're like, oh, I really can kind of like speak out and speak up and you saw it kind of working? Because I think a lot of people kind of hit that point where we all have different thresholds, I think, where we feel comfortable in a certain arena and it's kind of like the consecutive circles of like comfort zone and you can break through all of them, but was there one particular time when you were like, oh, I'm putting this behind me kind of thing? Yeah. I mean, once I had that awareness, it's, it's pretty cool. Once you become aware of it, you start to see just how, how many opportunities you actually have to overcome that, that barrier. So there, there are a number of experiences that come to mind. One in particular just had to do with sharing an idea that I'd had for a while within the, the organization I was working with still. And it was just around the way that we were approaching managing projects. Long story short, we had a, a team of really smart managers. We had problems that we knew we could solve, but morale was super low. And we had a really archaic and bureaucratic way of organizing ourselves around our resources and how to get work done. And so I finally 
like once I cleared that, that kind of barrier to not wanting to sound stupid, I was like, you know what? The worst that can happen is I share this idea and we just don't apply it or use it moving forward. And if that's the worst that can happen, like really, what is there to lose? Once you start to actually identify, if you answer that question, what's the worst that could happen? And then ask, how likely is it that the worst possible case scenario will actually happen? You'll realize, one, it's not that bad. And two, it's not that likely. And so yes. for me, that experience was a big one where I was like, you know what, I'm going to put it out there. And I did. And guess what? It wasn't a terrible idea. People actually liked it. We, we started to go with it and implement it. And it had a really great impact on our morale and in turn, the results that we created in the business. And so, yeah, that's, you know, that's one example. There are lots of other ones in my nine to five and then also in entrepreneurship where, where something like that happened. I love that. Ask yourself, what's the worst case scenario? Get real about it. And often it's not really going to be that big a deal. Just go for the risk. Yeah, it's, I learned a lot from, there's a TED talk by Tim Ferriss and he talks about this where our, our brains when it's trying to avoid some negative experience or negative emotion or perceived negative emotion that could happen, it just tries to keep you in this space of confusion and being stuck and all of this uncertainty and unknown. But once you actually take the time to sit down and just identify like, what is it that you're afraid of and actually just see it for what it is, it minimizes that fear a lot and actually allows you to, to move forward with a little bit more faith and confidence, especially when you then look at that fear in size relative to the God that you serve. And it's like, okay, maybe it's not as bad as I thought. Uh, yeah, it probably isn't. Hey, Karen, I'm curious, especially since you have a, a background in psychology that's focused on business, how have you found that balance or what has been that play between a life of faith and hearing God's voice and applying those principles and all of the, the science that, that you've learned in that area? Yeah, it's, it's been really interesting because when I, when I was in college, I wasn't a believer. So I started following Jesus five years ago, about a year after I was into my professional career. And for me, seeing the science and seeing scripture line up and seeing them connect and in some ways seeing science catch up to things that are in scripture, for me is, was a, a really faith building kind of thing to see and really just continue to reinforce like these principles have like they are true they exist they are underlying the way that the world operates the way that relationships operate and businesses operate and so the more that i can lean into the truth of scripture and what god has to say about how he wants us to live our lives good not that good things will always happen but you're giving yourself the best chance at at just thriving in whatever it is that you're doing and so I'd say in general, it's been a, a pretty nice marriage of the two. And it's been relatively easy to understand where they overlap. There have been some concepts from some psychology or just kind of more like new age self-help type things that I have found, they all lean on biblical truths. But the world, the way that it's talked about and the way that it's portrayed in the world isn't framed through that lens. But I can, you can typically pretty quickly see the parallels with biblical truth. So I'm curious with uh, the clients that you work with now, has this been something that you started off only working with Christian clients? Because I know a large part of your branding and business is focused on helping Christian entrepreneurs. It, has it always been that way? Or, is, or has that been a journey to realize that having that specific vocabulary is just more helpful? 
Oh, you asked the you asked the question. This is the million dollar question. Uh, and the answer <laughs> the answer is no. This has not been a part of the business from the start. It was something that probably about six months into starting the business that I felt God planting some seeds and and prompting me to go in this direction. And I was resistant. My response was, "Well, how can I speak life and and share the gospel with non-believers if I'm only working with Christian people?" Which is a limiting belief in and of itself. It's there are many reasons why that's not actually the case. I still get the opportunity to work with people who aren't believers, and there are other opportunities to share the gospel outside of my day-to-day job. But there were literally three distinct times when God asked me, "Hey, I want you to work specifically with Christian business owners." The first time I was like, "Oh, that sounds like such a great idea," and then I like started thinking about it, but then kept moving in the same direction I had been moving. The second time he said it again, that time I pretty much ignored it. I was like still holding on to the resistance and still like coming up with all these objections. And then the third time I was like, all right, doors aren't opening in this direction. I wonder if this is God trying to get my attention. And so the whole process just through, through prayer and just realizing God's way is, is the way that I want to live my life. And if this is where I feel confident that he's calling me to go, I'm going to go and just trust that regardless of what happens, he's going to be with me. And so when I finally made that decision to lean in, uh, it felt like a weight, a weight had been lifted off my shoulders. My marketing and just my brand started to just become so clear. And I felt like I wasn't holding anything back of who I was. And I just got to be totally myself. And again, going back to how I felt in my nine to five, where I wasn't bringing everything that I could to the table. This is when I felt like I could bring everything that I brought to the table. And to be able to infuse my faith, to be able to pray with and for my clients has been the coolest experience I've ever had. And and I'm just grateful for it every time that that gets to happen. Aaron, I'm curious, there's there's coaching and there's coaching. When you work with Christian clients, what are some of, I'm sure you see patterns that are unique with any client. What's what's a unique pattern that is like a, something that has to be overcome with Christian entrepreneurs in particular? I'm really curious to know what you see there. Yeah, so you may not be surprised, but when it comes to selling and and marketing themselves and and making offers in exchange for money, right? A business is exchanging uh, a service or a product for some other valuable thing, typically money. And the topic of money I've noticed is a sticking point for a lot of Christians who maybe grew up and were taught in their families that either money was evil or that you have to be so careful around money because it can become an idol in your life, which is absolutely true. But along with that can sometimes come extreme frugality or extreme fear when it comes to the topic of money. People don't feel comfortable, especially with new entrepreneurs. This is something I've noticed a lot recently. When it comes to telling people how much they charge for their service, there's this, this desire to clam up and either reduce their price or lower their price and not really own the value that they bring to the table. And so this is something that's been, been very common and that I've helped people work through in understanding why their service and what they offer... Actually, there's a reason it's called a service, right? A product and service. It's because it's of service to the other person. You're actually providing something that's valuable, something that they want. And so it's, it's this pretty big mindset shift and has some really monumental changes on how people start showing up in their marketing and how they start showing up in their business when they go from 
I'm afraid to ask people for money because it feels salesy and manipulative to, oh my gosh, the best thing, if I truly believe in what I sell, the best thing that my ideal client can do is to work with me because I know that I can help them solve this problem. Right. And when you make that change, oh, selling, marketing yourself, that becomes something that you feel compelled to do from a place of love as opposed to afraid to do because you don't want people to think that you're you're being sleazy. Dude, I love that so much because it's almost like you're saying by not over-spiritualizing the process of sales and deconstructing maybe some bad theological paradigms, you actually free yourself up to actually be more effective as a Christian business owner. And I love the way you frame that idea of, of offering a service because it's really true. And we always think of services as like the, the cardboard of the, of the business world. Like it's very, very simple, very plain. But when you think of it in those terms, it's a completely, it's a, it's a mind shift. I love it. Yeah. And like, this is where such like the most foundational truth of the Bible, right? That, that love is the one thing that we all want and desire. The one thing that we're called to, the one thing that we're given and demonstrated through, through what Jesus did. Right. And that's when it comes to selling, that's it. It's love. If you can figure out how to come from a place of love, have a product or service that is a way for you to love other people wow, really well, like good things will happen. And it's just, it's that simple, but it's a matter of getting yourself to that place where, you know what, I am compelled by love as opposed to I'm compelled because I, I need to make money or because I want you to buy my thing. Come on, dude. That's, I love that. Can you give us a, a story? You don't have to name names or anything like that, but can you tell us of a time when you worked with the client and that click, the love light went on and you were like, oh, I can see myself working like this? Yeah. So one of my clients is a real estate agent. She's actually been in business for quite some time, operates in the, the Philadelphia market. And she had been holding on to a belief around asking for referrals and really going out there and, and offering her services. She, she works with uh, a very specific type of client and provides the really high level of service and is just incredibly good at what she does. And she knows that she knew that she was providing the best service that she knew of in the market that she was in. But she was holding on to some beliefs about in order to, to take my business to, to this level, I have to act like this other person who's really manipulative and really worldly and all of these things. And so we coached around, why is you marketing yourself and you being the person serving these clients, the most loving thing that you could do and, and helping her see asking for referrals from her past clients is an extension of her ability to love and serve the people that she really cares about. The reason why she can go out and market herself and offer her services to the clients that she knows she wants to work with and feels called to work with. Like that is, that is how she lives out her purpose. She made that tweak. And so in the, the first half of 2020, she was 25% of her way to her 2020 business goal. And in December, she hit her 2020 business goal right at the beginning of the month with well, a month still left in the year. And it was, there were some other shifts as well, but those were some of the main mindset shifts because she had closed off certain actions and certain behaviors in her business wasn't even considering them because she thought that it would be manipulative or I'd have to work more hours or all of these assumptions about what it would look like. So until we were able to frame it from a place of love, it wasn't, it wasn't working for her. That's amazing. I remember years ago, 
there was an entrepreneur who had been in business for about two years. And I asked him how things were going. And Dallas has what I call the $30,000 billionaire culture, but not a lot of fronts. And they were t- said, yeah, we're just hitting it hard. We're hitting it hard. And I asked, okay, so what are you doing that you think is working? And they're like, well, I thought I should probably just focus on my business. And they were giving the worst business advice ever. They said, what I decided to do is instead of focusing on my business, I got the best BMW I could afford. And I'm just going to go to all of the nice Highland parties that I can go to. And if I can just show up and show out and look the part, eventually I know business is going to come. And you could feel the tension. You could feel the tension in the office. You could feel the tension in the way they sold their own services. And I think so often it's so easy to buy into the, the world's kind of idea that if you can just look the part, sell a part, be, be the, the person that you see on TV, then you're doing it. You're not doing it. And Christ really does call us to live from a different position. And not only that, it's really, you don't have access to the world's valve anymore, right? You have to live from what Christ infuses you to do if you want to see that forward movement. I love that, man. Hit the sales goals, but with a month left in the in the year, that's great. That's great. And, and from a place, she was working until like 2 a.m. every night. And by December, she was working a, a much more normal kind of normal number of hours, had more rest on the weekends, like wasn't taking any client meetings on like during church time. She was like, no, you know what? I'm, I'm setting this boundary. I will go to church. Like if you need me, it'll be another day. Yeah, and so not only was it you know hitting her goal, which is great, but it was from a place of of peace, uh, of restfulness, and just being being closer with God. Like she's closer with God now than she was mm. six months ago, and that yeah, that is why I do what I do. I love it. Oh my goodness, I love it. I really appreciate that thinking of things that way. Not only helps your your motivation, but I feel like the way that you explained it, it forces people in in a way to define things that from a business standpoint are really good. One, are you adding enough value to what you're doing to where you feel like you're actually providing a service? Mm -hmm. Because like you said, once you've defined, okay, I am bringing something of value that this person is better off using. I mean, that's, that's huge, whether you believe in Jesus or not. And then the second knowing, like knowing your value. Yeah. It, it makes selling easier to where it's not selling. You're just spreading the good news, if you will. I think those are two valuable, valuable things, defining what you're, you're sharing and defining, making sure you're adding value. Yeah. And a, a fun little add-on I'll tack onto this is I love asking, I love asking myself and also my clients this question, you know, when they're a service-based business is how can you over-deliver on the value that you're providing, right? So if you're client, customer is paying you X amount of dollars, how do you deliver even more value than what it is that they're paying? Because when, again, when you come from a place of knowing I'm providing like two to three times the value that they're getting, that becomes, again, so much easier for you to come from a place of love, of service, and feel really good about providing that service. You can, you feel very giving, even though you're accepting money in exchange for the the service that you're providing. And so you can still be giving while also making a living. That was, I just came up with that. That rhymes. And I just came up with that. You heard it here first. He's, he's going he's gonna to write that down. He's going to trademark it. So sorry by the time this comes out, guys. That's curious. <laughs> <laughs> well, hey, Kieran, this is so good. 
unpack a little bit more for us. What are some of the big differentiators that you see in your clients that separates the successful ones for those who aren't as successful to, to say it in a poor way? But what are the big differentiators, whether it's mindset or otherwise, that you see with your clients that then end up being successful? Yeah, it's pretty simple. I would The way I'd describe and kind of distill it is the people who understand the power of their thoughts to create their their feelings, their actions, and the results that they get, the sooner people grasp that and the more they can kind of sit with that, apply and understand how it affects their life and their business, the faster they make progress and the better that they do. And so it's a very, again, a pretty simple kind of model, simple way of understanding things, but circumstances that are all around us, we like to point to circumstances as to why we are achieving or not achieving certain things, right? COVID, that's why my business is struggling or COVID, that's why X is happening. But circumstances are, they're always there. They're facts. They're just neutral. They're not really positive or negative until we have a thought about that circumstance. And so this applies to literally anything that you're doing in your business, right? The thought is the root of all of the the actions that you're taking. And obviously your results are going to come from the actions that you take. So the the people who are, are as open and willing to just see and open their eyes to what are the thoughts that they're having that are holding them back from from taking the actions that they need to is it i don't know what i'm doing i feel like i'm i feel like i'm just i'm not really an entrepreneur i'm just kind of faking it or i feel like i i'm just doing everything myself and i don't really know how to run a business right if that's the thought underlying some of the actions that you're taking even if you're taking the quote unquote right actions that all the business leaders say you should be doing these things, if it's not coming from that place of, of love and feeling confident in the value that you bring, it's not going to produce results. And so, yeah, it's, if I had to say one thing that really would tell me whether or not someone's going to, to really take off and, and achieve what it is that they want to achieve, it would be understanding that your thoughts are so, so powerful. And I think to Romans chapter 12, and it talks about renewing, being transformed by the renewing of your mind. And that means many different things or it can be applied to different areas of your life. It can be your, your spiritual life, renewing your mind, meditating on scripture, but it can also be meditating on the, the words that you speak over yourself, especially if you're your own boss. The way that you speak to yourself is so important, just like the way that a, a manager would speak to you. Like we would never tolerate a manager, like an, another person saying the things to us that we sometimes say to ourselves. And so yeah, it's, again, it's, it's just this idea that our thoughts have so much power. The words that we say to ourselves have so much power in our business and in our lives. I'm curious, where do you begin with your clients when you, you first meet with them? Because I mean, that's, that's a big topic, kind of a big area. But are there some practical exercises that you do or conversations that you have to start to dig into that to change those mindsets? Yeah, absolutely. The, the first thing I love to do, and this is goal setting has become such a hot, popular topic in business and just in culture in general, but it's done so poorly. I, I read a stat the other day, 80% of New Year's resolutions fail by February, which is just, that's so sad, right? Like obviously something is wrong with that. And so it's it, but that said, goal setting is a topic that is actually, I think is extremely valuable and important. So one of the first things that I do with my clients is set goals. One of the reasons why it's so valuable is that when you set a goal that's a stretch goal. It's something you've never done before. Once you set that goal and say, you know what, this is what I want to do. 
your brain starts to go a little crazy and starts to just offer you all of the reasons why you can't do that. It wants to offer you all the reasons why it's not possible for you. And it's a protective mechanism, right? Again, it's trying to prevent from feeling those negative emotions of not achieving a goal. That's why people don't set a goal or don't follow through is because they don't want to feel bad about it. So they just kind of forget about it, detach it, push it away. So one of the first things I do is we set a goal and then we just, we observe, we sit and like, we document all of those thoughts swirling around their head that are like, what are all the reasons your brain is saying you can't do that? Because those are the thoughts that are currently there that we want to, to reframe and replace with things that are actually aligned with God's truth, with things that are aligned with the thoughts that the future version of you who is achieving those results, like they're obviously not going to be thinking these things. What are the things that they will be thinking? And now let's start to replace those old thoughts with the new ones. And so that's, that's like, if you were to just distill all of the work that I do with my clients, that's essentially it is replacing the thoughts that are not leading to the results you want with the thoughts that will lead to the results that you want. And you'll find that the thoughts that you really do want are aligned with who God says you are and what you're capable of. It's, it's, uh, it's pretty amazing. Well, right there. So all of his clients have just emailed him and said they're good. They don't need him anymore. You guys got, got free. <laughs> all of his core business model there. No, that's awesome. I think that's so good. Just knowing conversations, my wife recently started a business this year. And it seems like half the conversations we had were just overcoming those, those mindsets. And I think that's a, a great practical way. Like you said, so if I'm hearing it correctly, set a stretch goal for yourself. And then just take a moment where you get a piece of paper out and you start writing down what thoughts are coming to my head. What, what am I feeling right now? And digging into that. And then whether that's bringing the Lord into that at that point, or just practically, like you said earlier, asking yourself, what really is the worst? What is the likelihood of this happening? Yeah. Yeah. And I have like, I actually have a, a document, like a PDF that you can print out and we can, so we can share that with uh, your listeners would be happy to do that. But it's, it just outlines that process. And what's so cool about it is, again, like setting the stretch goal is what allows those thoughts to all come yeah. to the service. And then you get this, it's like sifting, sifting stones out of a, what do you sift? Um, <laughs> it's like, it's like sifting. sifting. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It is. If you can, in a way, it is gold because that's, yeah. having that information is really valuable. So it's, it's like sifting gold. There you go. Thanks, Joe. <laughs> Well, Kieran, I want to make sure we get to, before we get to the, the end here, I know that family is such a high value for you as a person. It's, it's on your marketing. And specifically, you talk about finding time for your clients to invest more in family. Can you talk about that motivation and, and how that plays out in your business? Yeah. And I wouldn't even say finding time. It's part of the reason why I stepped into entrepreneurship and why I was so excited to do it is because it provides an opportunity and it's not the only way to have this opportunity, but it's an opportunity to really design the life and the lifestyle that you want to live. And so for me, what that meant was I got to first, I think about my calendar as a blank slate. I get to say, all right, this is the time I want to spend with family. Now everything else can fall in the remaining slots, right? As opposed to what can happen in, in a business or in nine to fives, which is you have all these things on your calendar and then you try to squeeze in family where you can. And so for me, you know, I have a married, I've been married for four years. I have a 13 month old foster son and a, a six week old baby girl. And they, I mean, all I want to do is just spend time with, with those three. And so I know that for my clients, family is, is valuable. I know that 
especially for people of faith, spending time with their family, investing in relationships. That's something that we're called to. It's something that's really very important to us. And so to be able to help clients, again, do well in business, but do it in a way that's that's balanced, that allows you to honor your family, that allows you to honor spending time with God. That's, to me, that's kind of the whole package. And that's what I want to help people do is have what they want in those three different areas. So you know, for me, family has been, especially during COVID, family has just been the people I've spent all of my time with and the people that I want to spend time with. And especially with two young kids, being able to watch them grow up is a top priority for me. So it's, it's something that I wanted to bring into the business as well and, and help other people have that. So I think you kind of unpacked it a little bit just with your example there, but can you go into a, a little bit more for your, your clients? Say a client comes to you and says, Kieran, I want to have more time to spend with my family, but, but I just don't have that time. What does that conversation look like? Yeah. So that's, that's a great question. And it's the, I don't have time, right? That's a very, it's a very common phrase. And for me, it's a, like red flags pop up in my head. I'm like, all right, there's something there because the reality is we do have the time. It's a matter of how we're using it, how we're spending it. And so oftentimes we can approach it in a few different ways. Some people, they, the nature of their job may just require more time than others. Like that's possible. But oftentimes there are significant opportunities to streamline, to make things more efficient, to completely eliminate things that you think you need to be doing that don't actually produce any real tangible results. And so we'll kind of we'll just take a look at, at everything on people's calendars and we'll get very honest about how important those things are to them, what are the results that they lead to, and have them make a conscious choice of, you know what, I want to keep this in my calendar, in my routine, or I don't want to keep this. And usually just the conversation, like a very, not intense, but a very intentional and very focused conversation about that will really illuminate things that people probably knew in the back of their heads, but nobody is really checking in on them. Nobody is really holding them accountable. So our conversations kind of provide that time and that space to, to do that. So that's would be kind of be the, the summary of it. But at the end of the day, it's, it's always going to come back to mindset. And so if, as long as you're thinking, I don't have time, I don't have the time to do this, I'm too busy, guess what's going to happen? You're going to be too busy. You're going to feel like you don't have the time. It kind of is a self-fulfilling prophecy in that way. That's awesome. Do you feel like some of those conversations that, that you have with your clients, do you find that many of them are putting things on their calendar for other people? Or that they're operating out of assumptions, like I need to do X, Y, Z activity because my client's expecting it? Yeah, definitely. So there's a few different versions of that. It's my clients are expecting it or really typically when it's doing it for somebody else, it's often a projection of what they, they feel personally like they need to be doing. So it can look like that. And it can also look like I've, I've always done this. This is just the way that I do things. And so it's not even something that they've questioned in years, if ever. And so just, question, just having a time and space to talk about it and question it is like, oh, you know what? I've been doing this thing for 30 minutes every week. And I can't imagine my life being any worse if I just stopped doing it. It's not actually providing value. So yeah, it's, it can look like a few different things, doing it for other people, doing it because you've always done it. But oftentimes when you look closely at certain things, you'll find that, that there just aren't real legs to stand on in terms of the, the value that it's providing. And when you think about time, I mean, man, time is, that's the most valuable resource 
that we have. I guess you could argue love. When I think about time and money, typically those are the two things that people think of. You can get, you can make more money, you can create more money, you can buy and sell, trade. Time is time is just time. So we have to treat it with that level of importance that God gave us a, a finite amount of it. And I think it's it's our purpose and, and what he's called us to in terms of stewarding that really well. So yeah. Do you find in those conversations that it's not just about whether you should do this or you you shouldn't do that, but does it does it sometimes come down to for for certain people? And I think you kind of mentioned this in there, just about like the habits that they form, that it's like you can spend your time. Does it always come down to just, I want to do this or I don't want to do this? Or is it sometimes a value? Like, it seems like it's almost as much about like prioritizing, like, well, I want to do this, but how valuable is it for me to do that? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean... The way that I think about time management is really a process of aligning what you do with the things that you value, the things yeah. that you think are important. That's really when I, if I were to define time management, that's what I would say it is. Sometimes people are, they convince themselves or it's become a habit to do certain things that actually are out of alignment with their values. And that, like, this is where stress and anxiety comes from is when you know that there's a value that you have that you're not actually honoring and how you spend your time. And so that's why like a sense of hurry or anxiety around time management is often, that's just an indicator that your, your values aren't lining up with how you're spending your time. Yeah. But on the point of habits, I'll just say really quickly, habits are, I spend a lot of time working with my clients on habits, both in their, their business and their personal life because they, they mix and they affect each other. Habits are so powerful, either in a good way or in a bad way, because the nature of them, a habit is something that you don't act, it's not a decision you're making. It's just automatic kind of autopilot default mode. And so if, if that's something that's not serving you, you're not even questioning it. It's just something you're doing. If it is serving you, it can be great, right? It's something that whatever it is, working out, eating healthy, uh, spending time with God, those types of things that really fill you up and that provide health and uh, help you thrive. Habits can be great, but they can also be your downfall. And so we spend a lot of time just understanding what are the things that you don't even realize that you're doing? How do we bring that into awareness so that you can make some conscious decisions about starting certain things and stopping others? Thank you for unpacking that. I think that was the the question I was trying to ask was, what does that relationship look like when it comes to time management and habits? So that's awesome. <laughs> Thanks for getting there, even if I couldn't. You got it. Hey, I, I was picking up what you were putting down. <laughs> well, hey, we're in the last couple of minutes of the podcast. And we like to do something we call the final five. We have five questions for about our, our last five minutes. So I'm just going to rapid fire those. You got about a minute per question. Okay. Are you ready for that? Let's do it. I'm ready. All right. <laughs> so question number one, pretty typical podcast question. What are your three top must-read books, not including the Bible? And these can be business, family, spiritual. It could even be a cookbook. Great question. Immediately, The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry, fantastic book about faith, time management, what it means to follow Jesus, essentially. Not a business book, but one that has influenced the way that I approach business more than any other book. I would also say that's by? By John Mark Comer. John Mark, awesome. He's a pastor out in Portland. 
Second book would be Atomic Habits by James Clear. Just one of the most practical, applicable books I've ever read. And it's just very clearly written, very simple and very easy to apply. Ooh, the third one is going to be tough. I'm going to look at my bookcase behind me. <laughs> Man, this is a number three is a tough one. Um, I will say Designing Your Life by Bill Burnett and Dave Evans, two Stanford professors, one Christian, one atheist. Interesting. It's essentially applying the process of design thinking. If people are familiar with that, it's just a, a framework for solving problems. And you could argue that life is just a, a series of of solving problems. Not that everything's a problem, more of an opportunity, but it is really about how to intentionally live a life that you enjoy and you read it through a Christian lens and, and also serve God. So that's been a really influential book and how I've tried to design my business and the life that I live. So those are, those are my three. I feel good about that. <laughs> awesome. Those sound like three, three good recommendations. Good job. Question number two, you can send a postcard back to yourself when you are first starting off on your entrepreneurial journey. What are the three pieces of advice you're putting on that card? It might all be the same thing, which is hire a coach. That's number one. I resisted as a coach. I, for some reason, I was resistant to the idea of hiring a coach because uh, <laughs> I, wanted, I wanted to do it myself. I, there was pride, there was fear. But since starting working with a coach, it's, the amount of growth has been insane. It just compresses your learning ability to a level that you, you can't really explain unless you've experienced it. And so for me, if I would do it again, I would say, man, hire a coach right away. Don't wait. Don't, don't wait a second. Let's see. Second piece of advice, listen to God. Just do what he says. <laughs> and this is a, a piece of advice I'm still giving to myself presently. It's just, all, how can I always make sure that I'm just listening and trusting what he's asking me to do? I'm not even going to add a third one because I feel like those two are, are really important. Listen to God, hire a coach. C question or C statements one and two is number three. Yes, Rinse yes and repeat. exactly. <laughs> yes. Awesome. Question number three, how do you define success for yourself? Ooh, that's a big one. How do I want to answer this? Success for me is living a life in close relationship with God, which in turn allows me to love others really well. Um, I'd say spending lots of time with my family and fully using the gifts, talents, and experiences that God has blessed me with. And just being able to, to live into the potential that God created me with. I feel like that, that's the best way that I can honor Him and, and love other people. Awesome. Question number four. When times have gotten tough, what's kept you from quitting? Besides God? Besides, <laughs> besides prayer? Or is that, is that, is that fair game? Hey, if that's part of your, your process, your story. Yeah. So the biggest thing is certainly just having trust that God is one with me, that he's given me the strength to be able to do this, but really just trust, trusting his call in my life. I, I really do feel strongly that he called me into what I'm doing. And anytime I think about that, I'm like, okay, that makes the fear, the desire to quit just kind of eliminates it as an option. So I'd say that's, that's been the biggest thing that I've leaned on secondarily would be just the support I've gotten from my wife. She continues to believe in me and support me and has not wavered. She knew that I was going to start this business before I did. And so she has been an incredible support and encouragement to me. So this is a, this is a bonus question. This isn't part of the, the five, but I am curious real quick. Do you have a 
a way that you chronicle what you've heard from God or what he's speaking? Yeah. So I journal, I have now probably five or six, uh, just like single subject notebooks. If you think back to college or elementary school or high school. And so I journal my prayers. So every morning I, when I spend time with God, I, I'll do a little bit of meditation, uh, just gratitude kind of visualization and then invite him in and I'll journal kind of what's on my mind, a little bit about kind of what's going on in my life, but mostly through the frame of just asking, asking God, like what is, and reflecting on what he's doing in my life. What do I feel like he's saying to me and things like that. So for me, journaling is that way that I'm able to do that and really slow down and listen. Awesome. I think, yeah, that's so important. Like I said, that, that wasn't part of the five, but good bonus information there. So question number five, what question should we have asked that we didn't? Ooh, I'll go here because it's something that I always love talking about, which is just tell, I'm less of a question, more of just to tell me more about what it's like to be a foster parent or to be in foster care, because that's a, a rabbit hole that we can go into and is a topic that is near and dear to, to my heart and that I find that lots of people have questions about when it comes up. So maybe, maybe we'll get together again and, and talk foster care next time. Yeah. Do you have any just quick from a, a high level there that if you were listening to it? It is a, it's a beautiful mess. That's how I would describe it. God's grace and redemption is found there. There's also just so much brokenness. Yeah. And I think for us as believers to be able to step into brokenness and not as like we are the saviors, but to step into it, to identify with it, to see it, and to also recognize that in ourselves, it's just an incredibly humbling experience. and you're guaranteed to get way closer with God if you enter foster care as a, as a parent. That's awesome. Well, Kieran, thank you so much for spending the time with us today. And uh, we can't wait to have you on, on again. Awesome. Can't wait. Thanks so much, guys. This is a lot of fun. It's so great to see you. Thank you so much for listening today. If you enjoyed this show, please leave us a five-star review and share this with a friend. It would help us out tremendously. Also, if you'd like to stay in touch and get a free copy of the first chapter of Pierce's new book, Calling, How to Partner with God in Any Business with Any Boss at Any Place in Life, then click on the link in the show notes to sign up for our weekly email or visit piercebrantley.co slash podcast. Thanks again, and we'll see you next week.